Welcome to the Humble Hoof Podcast. My name is Alicia Harlov. This is a podcast for both horse owners and hoof care professionals, offering discussions into various philosophies on the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Please check us out on Facebook or at thehumblehoof.com. So I was super excited when I saw that Megan Hensley, the donkey farrier, was willing to do an episode about donkey feet and care. I've followed her Holistic Hooves Facebook page and been a member of her Donkey Hoof Care Facebook group for quite some time, and I love seeing her videos and pictures of her work, and I've learned a lot just from those pages alone. So when she agreed to an interview, I was psyched to be able to pick her brain about everything donkey. Uh, so why don't you tell us your name and how you're involved in hoof care? All right. Uh, my name is Megan Hensley, and I have been involved in hoof care since 2006 uh, when I first took an apprenticeship. Uh, and then I uh, graduated horseshoeing school in 2007, and I have been working as a farrier ever since. Great. And I know this is a really big question. Um, I like to start off with this one, but what is your hoof care philosophy? How do you approach hoof care? Well, it has certainly changed a lot since my beginning. Um, My apprenticeship was with a traditional farrier, um, and he was amazing. He was a very kind man, um, kind of a southwesty cowboy is kind of how I remember him, but he was very gentle with the animals. We trimmed a lot of donkeys, um, but we did a lot of horseshoeing, and I learned to do that, and then, you know, graduated from horseshoeing school and was shoeing horses for the next six years, five and a half, six years after graduating horseshoeing school, and um, over this time, it's been like 13 years now, um, my philosophy has changed a lot. Um, currently, I think where I'm at, I don't do any steel shoeing anymore. Uh, I prefer composite materials, glue-on options. I feel like we have a lot of uh, alternatives that are kind of superior to steel in my mind and how I look at the hoof. And so I don't work with steel anymore. Um, and my philosophy around it, I think, is really trying to do what's best for the animal and staying really open to evolving how we're doing the work that we're doing with them. So looking for the new, not necessarily just the new way, but the way that seems to best serve the horses, not necessarily serve the people who want to use their horses. And that gets a little touchy sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not always the most popular idea. Um, but does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I agree. Awesome. And and why do you think, or if you do think, why do you think knowledge about hooves is important in horse ownership and not just something that's supposed to be left to like the farrier or the vet? Mm. That's a really good question. And that has... Um, this idea has been building for me um, for quite a while. When I first started to, I have two apprentices that trained under me and also trained under Pete and trained under Daisy Bicking and kind of have gone on to become their own hoof care providers. So they're not really the apprentices anymore. But uh, when I started working with those two individuals, 
um, they were just kind of young kids that were thirsty for knowledge. One of them uh, had graduated farrier school. And what I learned was that a lot of people need to have more understanding of hoof care so that they can better care for their animals. When you're just dependent on the vet or the farrier, that leaves a lot of holes and opportunities for hoof health to possibly decline or get into a situation where you're like, oh, crap, how did we get here? And it's like, wow, actually, if my clients had more working knowledge of what a healthy hoof is and are able to identify problems earlier on, have better um, education in diet, movement, just the whole lifestyle of like the horse uh, or the equine as a species, right? Um, I think that that leads for uh, better overall health for the animal. And then we're also looking at the opportunity to have our clients feel empowered with education. And when people are empowered with education, and aren't feeling dependent on just one person, they can make better decisions in the event of an emergency and then also in the event of just creating these opportunities for their animals to live really healthy lives. That's I think it's important for them to be kind of brought out of the dark and tell them, hey, you can have a really good working knowledge of hooves, what makes them healthy, how to possibly, if you're interested, you can learn to rasp them in between your farrier visits and I see, I tell my clients that, and you should see their faces light up. They're like, really, me? Like, I could, I could do that? And I'm like, yeah, you could, you could totally do that. And if you want to do it, your animal can potentially um, really benefit from that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of how I got started, actually. So I agree. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> There's uh, a lot of hoof care providers, I think, that kind of start as that owner trimmer and working underneath a farrier and then go, oh my gosh, I'd love to make this uh, a career. And then they go on to do it. And I think that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so good on you. <laughs> um, and you, you mentioned a little bit of this in your, you know, when you were talking about your philosophy, but can you tell us a little bit about your story and journey into hoof care? Yeah. Um, so I was in the California Conservation Corps. Uh, which is a, a natural resources program in California where you can go and build trails and do salmon restoration and basically work outside on a crew of people doing uh, natural resource management and, and restoration. And I did this stint where I lived in the backcountry for six months in the middle of nowhere with the tr on a trail crew in the immigrant wilderness, uh, which is um, in Stanislaus. And our food and our mail and everything was brought in by mules on a pack train. And That's I fell cool. in Yeah, it was so cool. And I fell in love with the mules. I mean, I already loved equines and everything, but fell in love with the mules. And it's what you look forward to because here they come once a week to bring you everything you need because you're in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I left that trail crew and I thought... I'm going to be a packer. Like, that's what I'm going to be. I'm going to live in the backcountry, and I'm going to pack. And I applied for the job, and they uh, responded back. You know, it's like a year later, before 2006. It must have been like 2005. They were like, hey, great, you're awesome, but you need to have hoof care experience uh, for us to consider you for the position. And they're like, go get an apprenticeship or something, and then come back next year and reapply. And so that's 
what happened, I went off in search of my apprenticeship and I got it in 2006 and I started working with that local farrier. And then turns out uh, when I was about to go to horseshoeing school, he was going to move away and he said, do you want to take my business? And so I was kind of like, oh, do you go apply to the Forest Service or do you take this business that has all these clients and you already know them all because you've been the apprentice? And so I chose, I ended up in that moment choosing the business. And um, then I've been just doing that ever since. Um, yeah, that's been working. And I live in Humboldt County, which is up in Northern California. And that's where I've had uh, my business until recently. Um, the last two years, I started traveling outside of my uh, living area. Yeah, I saw you, you know, arrange some trips down, I think, through Southern California, right? Yes, I did. I traveled all the way out to the border of Mexico. I was down in Ramona and near, and even near Julian, which is really down south. And that was a lot of fun. That's so cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And so now you, you are known as the donkey farrier. So, um, you know, that's, that seems to be a huge passion of yours. So what drew you to donkeys? Wow. Oh, donkeys. They are so cool. You know, the whole donkey farrier thing, I made that up one night when I was <laughs> thinking that I wanted to do more. I may or may not have had a couple cocktails and was sitting <laughs> out looking out and I thought you know what it's time for something new you're gonna be the donkey farrier <laughs> and <laughs> and so far so it, it, it's it's happening but so the the man that I worked with loved donkeys and we trimmed a lot of them and he said something to me very early on he said listen he's like you gotta know how to trim donkeys because they need people who know how to treat them right and who can trim them and um, we still see that now. That was 13 years ago. And donkeys are still, like, in need of people that will treat them right um, and, and can trim them. And that's because they're really different. He, he used to say to me, he go, oh, it's just the donkey. You know, if, like, if we show up and the donkey's not behaving or ran away from its owner, couldn't get the halter on him, all the things that donkeys do. <laughs> he had this attitude of, like, they're just donkeys. You know, like, what can you do? Just grab a hold of them and give them a nuggie and tell them, you know, straighten up. Uh, so they kind of remind me of, like, little kids. So, but um, early on, I was like, okay, he's totally right. Because after he moved away, I started getting more calls for donkeys. And um, I really mimicked what he had taught me on how to work with them. And uh, they just kept getting more and more of them. And then I'd find them they need to have heavy sedation and over the years I started to go okay wow there really is like this this need for people uh, to have more education and experience with them and so um, my two former apprentices one of the things I wanted them to do was be able to trim donkeys I said we're going to trim donkeys guys and they're like what we're going to trim donkeys I'm like yes we're going to trim donkeys and they actually both love donkeys and love working with them and so I guess uh, the, the donkey farrier life really chose me. Uh, I'm not sure that I knew that I was going to be so heavily advocating for them now. Um, it kind of all evolved over time and kind of coming to this point here now where 
I'm making that my niche and really focusing on that and with the goal to uh, inspire and, you know, help others, my colleagues and owner trimmers or just owners that want to have more information, trying to help them understand the donkeys better. And the donkeys are who are teaching me, and so I'm always learning, and I'm just trying to do my best by them, like gathering the information that the little donkeys give me and try to share it (laughs) with others. Well, my name is Kella Scown, and um, I have Saddlepaw Miniature Donkey Ranch in Barberville, California. I've had donkeys for about 18 years now, and um, finding a farrier is always kind of a trick, and luckily I had two really good farriers um, just prior to finding Megan, and um they were guys that did horses and um, just decided, well, okay, we'll try some donkeys. And, and actually, they were very nice to them, and, and um, we all worked well together. Um, and then the last barrier I had, Will Scott, um, was bringing Megan along um, as an apprentice. And I liked Megan. She has a great personality and um, was just really interested in learning the craft. So she basically, before she even became a a longtime farrier, um, started here at my ranch with our our donkeys. I think we had about 14 or 15 at the time. And... um, so she traveled around with with will and um then finally will moved and um so the whole lot here was kind of given to megan and she came and started working here and i would we had so many donkeys that i'd halter them all up and um whenever they were done we'd take the halter off so we knew which ones were done and it was a little easy to figure that out but so I've known Megan from the very beginning and um she just is is wonderful and she is so giving and really wants to share everything that she's learned and over the years I've watched her grow and that even becomes more and more evident as time goes on that she wants to teach people so that they can do it so that she can go out and share with more people um, this craft that she has and it's just amazing the way she works with the animals and comes in and always gives them time to settle into her and instead of just coming in and throwing the halter on and starting to work on their feet she always gives them loves and and talks to them uh my donkeys here at this ranch now don't even have halters on when when she trims them she has been trimming them halterless for oh years now and i I want to back up a little bit. I think she's been working here for, gosh, she would know the timeline better, but maybe 13, 14 years she's been coming and doing my donkeys. But she gives you so much the time of day. You never feel like you're rushed with her. Uh, Her knowledge of donkeys I've watched grow and grow and grow over the years. And now it's, um, I think it's just become a specialty for her. Um, And one thing that I 
feel really passionate about is nutrition, although I've studied more nutrition for horses. So I would love it if you could talk a little bit about a proper diet for donkeys, you know, and, and how that might be different than for horses. Yes. And I start to giggle right off the bat because, oh Lord, let's, <laughs> let me tell you something right now. This is what, and some people just go, what? No way. So actually a really good, uh, thing for donkeys to eat is barley straw. Doesn't that sound weird? Yeah. Like you tell somebody that donkeys should eat some straw and sometimes people lose their minds. They're like, no way. I'd never feed an equine straw and be like, okay, yeah, you wouldn't feed your horse straw. But we now know the donkey sanctuary and the donkey welfare symposium are the two, I would say thought leaders on, um, donkey care with the donkey uh, sanctuary in, in England and Europe being kind of on the forefront of that for many years. And we have found that barley straw uh, and then wheat straw comes in second as an option, really mimics the desert forage that a donkey would uh, get to eat. And one thing I like to ask people, I'm like, so what's there to eat in the desert? <laughs> and the the answer is not much, right? <laughs> and and when so then they have to beat feet, they have to be walking all over the place to get anything to eat to miles and then what they do have available to them is very sparse. Um and donkeys' metabolisms are geared to take every little tiny bite that they get and really utilize it. And so what we run into in uh, domesticated donkeys in developed countries is obesity. And so feeding straw and then feeding low um, sugar, if you can find it, low sugar grass hay, you want like varieties. Um, you want to stay away from alfalfa and anything that's really sugary laden. They generally don't ever need any grains. And in some cases where you have a debilitated, very thin donkey, then you're going to want to work closely with a veterinarian to probably work out how you're going to get weight back on an ailing animal. But for your for your healthy donkey, you're looking at um, free choice barley or wheat straw and then uh, small amounts of grass hay mixed through that. And then you had Sally Hug on your podcast recently. She's the creator of California Trace Minerals. And I... You, I highly recommend those, especially for my area being in California. I don't know exactly how that um, moves over into other areas of the United States, but getting a proper mineral balance is really important. And, of course, uh, loose salt. And it's that's actually really simple um, when you think about the diet that way. Yeah. It, yeah. They don't it, keep it simple. Yeah. Um, and actually California trace is, is pretty, I don't want to say universal, but it, it works well. Um, I mean, I'm in Massachusetts and it works well here okay. for our hay analysis. Okay. Yeah. So I pretty much recommend it. Um, if somebody's looking for a really simple option that they can just go online, order, have it shipped to them. I'll just, you know, throw a plug in there for, <laughs> for California trace. Yeah. Well, you know, I found it to be, um, it just is a really superior product when my clients get on it, they, they start, I start seeing the improvements that I want. I really like the plus version and, and I don't get paid to, uh, you know, recommend her product. I just really think it's a good product. 
Um, and, and it's also, it's, you're able to keep things simple. You know, it's like, these are the equines are, are pretty simple when you look at them as, as a species and who they are and what they need and how they would go about finding all this stuff if we weren't around. Um, so trying to mimic, uh, a species appropriate diet the best that we can is, is one way that we can keep our animals healthy. Yeah. And so, you know, assuming that the, the donkey's on a good diet and they're growing healthy feet, what's an ideal foot going to look like to you? Is there an ideal foot for a donkey? Yeah, I think there kind of is. And I, every animal is going to be a little bit of an individual as well, but, um, we, it's very similar to healthy, uh, horse pose too you know we want a heel that isn't necessarily super short but it's short it, like if you're looking at them from the side you want their foot to be back and underneath them I want their heel base underneath their legs and I want their toe to be short tight that comes from a nice healthy white line attachment um, a, a healthy hoof kind of takes on its own it just has a pleasing aesthetics and I don't know if that makes Hopefully that makes sense to people. I'm much more on the artist spectrum of how I work with hooves than, say, the measurer, the person who measures everything. Um, but there's no right or wrong way, you know, because usually something that is pleasing to an artist's eye is also, what would you say, like mathematically yeah. correct too. If you were to take measurements, they they match up. So I'm looking for a short and tight little hoof. Too often we see donkeys that look like they're standing up on little Coke cans. And I think that there is this, there is, there's this myth that donkeys are supposed to be upright so that then that means they need to have really long heels. And that is false. And I've got a few pictures on my page um, that can help show you what, you know, kind of the ideal little donkey hoof looks like. I guess I'm having a little bit of a hard time describing it. I know it's hard to, and that's kind of a tough question too. I, I thought of that as I was, uh, asking it is that it is hard because it's true for horses too. It's going to look different for the horse. And one thing that's yeah. healthy for one animal might <laughs> not be for another. So, um, but yeah, I think you did a really the... good job <laughs> describing Oh, <that>. thank you. <laughs> I, I did. Thank you. I did forget that, uh, of course we want to see a healthy stimulated frog and that is also where those heels come into play if your heels are too tall a donkey's hooves or a donkey's heel will just grow and it, they get really really tall and that's something that doesn't quite happen with horses and so there are times where i will go in and i cut off a half an inch say of a frog to expose these really high heels and that would be pretty scary to maybe do to a horse that's probably something you would really not do to a horse <laughs> um that i can that i can think of at the moment uh and so that can be tricky for people they might not even know that their donkey's hoof is off because they see this big frog and they think oh, okay it's good um so yeah yeah oh, oh and also you're just trying to help that individual grow the best hoof that they can. Uh, and that's all going to depend on where they've been and how, how they've been cared for in the past or lack of care, etc. Yeah. And so you touched on this a little bit when you were talking about your, your apprenticeship. Um, 
But you just seem to, I've seen videos of you working with the donkeys and you seem to connect with them really well. I've seen that you trim some of them just ground tied or not even, you know, nobody holding them, not even haltered. Um, so what's, what's your secret with connecting with them? Uh, I'm glad that you asked this. Um, a lot of what you see has just been like a skill that I've kind of honed over the years is just by being with them. But you know, like how I move my body or how I catch a rope or, and recently how I've been giving them this opportunity to even, I've like been saying, Hey, do you want to trim without your halter? And they look at me and they're like, maybe (laughs) if you're worthy, I will think about standing here for you. Do you have any treats? Uh, (laughs) You know, so, and okay. So, and do you hear that in my voice, that silliness that I bring? I think that is one of the most important things that you can do with a donkey is do not take yourself so seriously. Donkeys are very funny. They're very mischievous. They really, they're strong, independent uh, individuals. They don't really feel like they need a farrier and they don't feel like they need need a vet and all those things, you know. So you have to try to convince them that, like, hold on, I know you're strong, independent, little individual, and I love you for that, but you do need this. And so I like to think of it as like making it fun with them, uh, being silly. Uh, I'm kind of like cuckoo in love with them, like probably more so than other people, and I think that helps me, but you do not have to be like head over heels for them like I am to have them. Uh, respond to you they they're looking for donkeys really want you to be gentle um thoughtful and kind with them and so you gotta not come in in a hurry either uh like if let's see and another thing is um sometimes if they've had like a bad experience with a previous farrier they are so thoughtful um that I, I will leave my shaps in the car. I hide my tools in my back pocket. When I show up to a situation where I'm meeting a new donkey that's, you know, been resisting hoof care, I have to pretend like I'm not a farrier. I'm actually doing a sneak attack on them. And so I just show up with some treats and the owner's like, oh, hey, here's my donkeys. And I'm like, oh, look at you guys. You're so cute. And then I'm giving them some treats and I'm giving them ear scratches butt rubs and then I kind of am like oh hey by the way I have a hoof pick in my pocket and I was just gonna like pick up your feet and then sometimes they get scared but usually if I can set up kind of um that sweet uh gentle uh situation with them they start to soften for me and then there's so I might have to halter them so I I don't want the owner halt handling them I keep the rope with me and I like to keep their head turned towards me and if they move around and don't want me to handle them we kind of move in this circle I call it the circle dance and we just kind of hop around and I'm asking the question I'm saying let me have your foot you know and then if they're resisting I try to hold on to it and then as soon as they relax, even just the moment of relaxation, I give them their foot back and they get more scratches and stuff. And, um, and that's, you can see some of that in my videos. Well, I'm uh, uh, Dr. Eric Davis. I'm a veterinarian and a 
associate veterinarian at the uh, International Welfare Training Institute at uh, University of California Davis School of Veterinary Medicine. Um, I'm a diplomate of the American College of Veterinary Surgeons and the American College of Veterinary Internal Medicine. Well, there's, a, there's kind of a spectrum of issues there that range from the fact that the donkey's feet, um, although much like the feet of other perissodactyla, um, are different from horses in, in many ways. Their gait is different. Um, the, the thickness of the hoof wall and the angle of the foot uh, are, are different. And so those are, are issues. But the other thing is that donkeys are not psychologically horses. And what many people find out very rapidly when they have a horse background and then they start working with donkeys is that you have to approach um, training and handling somewhat differently to be successful. And that goes all the way back to donkey evolution and where they eventually, or where they originally evolved in the uh, deserts of the Sudan in, uh, in Africa. It, it does come out in their, uh, in their behavior and how you need to handle them. And that's, that's an issue that when I look at uh, websites on donkey health and, and care, something that comes up quite frequently. You know, I can't, my, my donkey kicks when I try to turn his feet, won't let me pick his feet up and so on and so forth. And, and that's a matter of folks not understanding donkey psychology. Megan, you know, she's been so helpful, even just being, you know, online and showing and streaming her videos and giving me little tips because donkeys and their behavior are so much different. My guy, I mean, he, he's almost borderline feral. So, you know, she gave me a couple of mantras to say, and basically, you know, just think of love and happiness. And it worked, it actually worked pretty quickly. Within a couple of weeks, I was able to put a um, halter, a head, uh, head stall on him, which for almost this entire year, I, I couldn't even, you know, do that. Um, his feet were growing and growing and it was driving me nuts because all I kept seeing were these cracks. And um, I just really wanted to get after his feet. And Megan reminded me that, you know, if if he is in dying to have his feet done, he will let me know and he'll allow me to do that. And actually, he allowed me to nipper his hind feet at liberty. Yeah, so I definitely think that, you know, donkeys will take some, you know, finesse and, um, it seems like, you know, obviously they're a favorite for you to work on. Um, but do you have a favorite kind of client as in a favorite kind of person, um, that you work with in the terms of their attitude or their approach with their animals or how they interact with you? Like what's oh, okay, your, like what's your ideal client look like? Yes. Okay. Well, over the years, I have learned how to, this, this is a good question, especially for other hoof care providers that might be listening to this. And then also for anybody who is a client of a farrier, um, an ideal client for me is someone who really wants the best for the animal 
and doesn't necessarily have a lot of expectations for what that animal is going to need to do for them. Not that there's anything wrong with having an equine that performs and does things with you, but for me, an ideal client really puts the well-being of the animal first. This is somebody who is... If they don't already know, they're going to be very interested in species-appropriate um, environment and lifestyle, understanding that equines were born to move, not to be locked up in boxes. I do not work on any animal that's stalled uh, 24-7. Some of them come in for periods of time, but if your animal lives in a stall, I, I'm unable to work for you. Um, and that goes for even just little tiny paddocks. They have to be uh, living where they have freedom of movement. Um, an ideal client for me is someone who communicates openly with me when they have concerns or if they're unsure about some, something. I also want them – I love clients that are hungry for information that like get in there and watch and say, what are you doing? Why did you do that? Or and I love the ones that say, what can I do to make my donkey's life even better? And I'm like, this is so awesome. Yes. And these are the things that you can do. Um, an ideal client stays on schedule, um, understands that, that the short schedule is really important uh, for maintaining um, a healthy hoof. And if they, for some reason, if if it's difficult to have me come in short time frames, then they are the people that say, let me have that rasp. Show me, show me how to do that so that I can extend out my trim timer so that I can keep their hooves healthy. I love people, uh, clients like that. Um, and, uh, they're just generally, uh, happy people usually, <laughs> but most people with donkeys are actually really happy. In fact, I think that the person who has a donkey was my ideal client all along, and I didn't know it until recently. Yeah. Does that does that make sense? Yeah. Like I really, really love donkey people. And then I went to the donkey welfare symposium, and I was like, I have found my family. <laughs> my equine family is the donkey world. And that's nothing bad about people that have horses. I love horses, and there's amazing horse people, but the donkey world is just kind of special. That's how I feel about it lately. <laughs> um, we put on a donkey welfare symposium here at UC Davis every year. It's now it's been seven years in a row. The uh, symposium is going to be September 13th, 14th, and 15th. And one of the things that we often have requests for is information on donkey hoof trimming and then also on the behavioral aspects of getting donkeys to accept hoof trimming quietly and cooperatively. And uh, Megan Hensley, a farrier from Northern California, has attended the uh, symposium and has been working with us to develop a program for this year where we're going to talk about, again, the how, how do you get a donkey to be happy getting its hoofs trimmed? And in fact, this year's symposium is going to be based around a kind of keynote uh, of what makes a donkey happy. 
and that's certainly important for welfare. There's a number of different ways to define it. We have uh, some experts that are going to be involved in this. Uh, one, a behaviorist from the United Kingdom, Benjamin Hart, who works for the Donkey Sanctuary in Sidmouth, England, and is a pretty much world-renowned uh, trainer of horses and donkeys. And he also delves into the scientific aspects of behavior and cognition. And uh, he's worked with us, again, for a number of years and is a very popular speaker. In addition to Megan, uh, Ross Keller from Colorado is going to come out and we're going to spend some time on Sunday, which is going to be September 15th, trimming donkey feet, talking about how to handle them, how to make the donkeys comfortable, and then the issues of how much do you trim and what do you trim and how often should they be trimmed and what kind of foot angles you need, so on and so forth. And so I think this is something that anybody that is interested in donkeys could get a lot out of. And uh, I hope that uh, some of your podcast listeners will be able to attend. And so can you tell us about maybe an interesting case that you worked on, like a pathology or um, something that, you know, really made you think or anything like that? Yeah, you know, I think, and I'd have to say kind of cases, I think one of the, one of the big things that I've noticed about working with donkeys is they, uh, tend to be sedated a lot as a whole, more so than horses for hoof care. You'll, people uh, are a little bit of afraid of them. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't be afraid because a good donkey kick could, it can do a lot of damage. I mean, just working with equines in general is dangerous. We know that. But I meet a lot of donkeys who had they just had a little bit more time or just had someone with a little more experience uh, work with them, they may not have needed to be sedated or sedated as heavily as they have been. And I think that those cases really mean a lot to me because I, I don't want them to have to go through that all the time. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And I, so the cases where I'm working to get an animal off sedative are at, are some of my favorite. And it's sometimes I go to meet them and I trim them without any sedative the first time. Sometimes we have to do a light sedation a few times in a row. Sometimes I trim the fronts but not the hinds in the beginning. And it becomes like this process of weaning them off of the sedation boost helping the owner feel more confident because they start to get scared too or they're worried they don't want their animal to hurt a farrier which thank you of course you don't want that to happen but when we spend too much time in the fear zone then we might miss the opportunities to allow the animal to um, blossom a little bit more um, and it usually has to do with confidence on, on everybody's end. Um, and then it also has to do with handling the donkey more, which again could be a confidence issue where someone's just not quite sure what to do or how to do it. 
And anybody who has a donkey knows that in some cases it can be really slow moving on building, uh, on earning a donkey's trust, depending on what their history is. So, yeah, sedation cases are my favorite. And then, of course, because donkeys can be hard to handle and then um, the owners either get worried about having a farrier out, they develop anxiety around the whole situation. So that extends their, they go, oh, I'll just wait. I'll just wait because they're worried. They don't want to go through a big scene or their donkey might embarrass them or <laughs> whatever. And then their hooves end up getting too long. And so, of course, the, the overgrown cases are, are um, fun from my perspective of getting to rehab them, not not fun for the donkey, obviously, to get to that place. But um, those are always really satisfying to get in there and and just do some really good work and restore their hooves. Yeah, and so in cases where you know the the donkey might have had a longer cycle or hasn't had regular hoof care, um, obviously you have a lot of work to do. So. You know, how do you decide when you're you're looking at a donkey foot, like how much to take at once or how much soul to take? Because I know donkeys a lot of times will retain a lot more soul than horses might. Um, what are your deciding factors when you come to those kind of cases? Okay, so <laughs> to, th- to know, no, this is good and it's hard. It's a hard question, but it's a good question too. Um, so in some cases, I have to decide if we're going to sedate or anesthetize depending on how bad the hooves are. So I'm not saying that we don't ever use sedation or that sedation is a bad thing. I just don't like to see it when we have to do it over and over again on the same animal. I'm like, wait a minute. No, we got to, we're not, you know, going to keep doing that. So sometimes like of Jasper, he was a recent case that I worked on and he was really scared and his hind feet were a mess and uh, like really, really badly curled under on on both medial sides, flippered out, um, he could hardly walk. So we made the decision to uh, fully anesthetize him, to laid him down like he was going to have a surgery so that I could jump in there and and um, and trim his feet. And when we get it, when I have him down like that, I am going to go and try to get the foot as correct as possible. And so unlike like a dog who has a quick, horses or equines don't really have that. We have structures inside the hoof capsule where we know where they pretty much should be. And um, now they can get distorted. But when we when I have a lot of toe growing off an animal, I know I've got quite a ways that I can come in. And then we can also look at the apex of the frog and kind of measure out from there. That's how it helps me understand where I might go with soul. And I will stay a little more conservative in the beginning and kind of work my way down. And then again, I'm on the artist spectrum. So I'm looking at what I know a healthy hoof looks like and using that as like a landmark in my mind to kind of sculpt that foot to that place. And again, I'll be really conservative. And as you get closer to where you think you're getting to that live soul or to that place where you could get sensitive, then you got to just back off. Um, and one of the things, too, with those hooves is establishing the heel base is one of the most important things that we're going to do first is bringing those heels back and underneath the animal. Um, and then usually the toe can be addressed even more over time. Does that yeah. answer? Yeah, definitely. Thank you. 
So, um, yeah, so I've known Megan, I think I met Megan in 2011, or probably early 2012. I had just graduated Farrier School, and I was told that I should really find an apprentice after school. So when I got back to Humboldt County, I reached out to Megan, and um, she invited me to work with her and her team, which was Amy, and... Um, Amy finally got me to come with them, and um, I worked with them, and we all got along super well, and Megan was just like, she sat down and was like showing me and teaching me these things that I didn't know about barefoot compared to what I had just been learning in school, and she was just, she just loved to teach, and I was just like soaking up all this information, and um, she retrain the way I thought about she's just she's so good at teaching and so um, I know the one thing I really really admire about Megan is like no matter what the client wants she's all about the horse and how the horse is sound and how the horse is taken care of and how the horse is living in this environment and she won't just work for anybody if they're not serious about trying to get their horse moving better and healthier feet and better life choices for their horse and what's best for the horse Megan won't work for them I mean she is she's solid she's she 100% cares about the horse she's not doing it for people she does what she does for horses Megan she just cares about the horse more than anything and so I just have a few more questions uh yeah do you have any donkeys or horses yourself right now I do. Um, I have my pride and joy, my Hercules. He is a, I've had him since he's a baby and he turned 21 this year and he's a quarter horse and I love him. I love him so much. And um, then I have a pony that I bought for him for Christmas about 10 years ago because I didn't want him to be by himself. And so he got a pony and so I have pony packs and then I have a miniature horse and then five donkeys. Wow. right now yeah and a couple of those I'm kind of fostering they came from a situation where it was like okay if you don't want to get these guys squared away then you kind of got two options animal control or I can take them <laughs> and so then I ended up with those two donkeys and they're wonderful we fixed them up got their feet all fixed up and so but uh, yeah, I do. I have them and I enjoy them. They're a lot of fun. That sounds like a great little herd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's a, it's they're they're fun. Um, yeah, they bring a lot of joy. Uh, you know, people who visit love to meet them. Uh, the donkeys are, uh, my horses are very very sweet and calm. But they've also been living um, in a herd for quite a while, and and the herd life really soothes equines on a real like spiritual level for them I think so when people come out to meet my horses they say oh your horses are so calm or they're so gentle and I'm like yeah I'm just I just let them be themselves you know like versus them maybe being contained a lot and having pent-up energy or not having a friend you know they play a lot and so having the herd is is a really nice nice thing to have in my life um they're they're very sweet. I'm lucky. I'm lucky to ha to have them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so I know obviously, you know, you have a great business going and it seems like um 
you do so much work and so many cool things, like so many cool opportunities that you have. Um, and do you have any more goals for the future? I do. And, and thank you for, for saying that. Cause sometimes I don't, I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> There's this level of like, not knowing what I was doing, you know, uh, or kind of wondering, you know, cause this whole donkey farrier thing, I mean, I've been a donkey farrier for quite a while, my whole career basically, but the whole, the donkey farrier really didn't kind of pop up until, uh, last year. And I was trying to recover from a heartbreak. My, my sweet, sweet dog of 11 years passed away. And, um, and I got really, really sad. And I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, and so it started as a thing to kind of shake me up out of that and be like, all right, well, you need an adventure then. Why don't you go and see if there's some donkeys just a few counties away that need some help? You could travel down there. And so everything is still kind of evolving for me. I think one of my big goals is to um, have be able to offer online um hoof training donkey hoof training videos for the for the owner that wants to know more um about donkey hoof health and then also how to hand how to how to get your donkey feeling more confident for handling for hoof care because there is a lot that an owner can do to help get their donkey ready for a farrier and then if you're able to find a farrier that that's willing to be gentle and kind uh, that's really all, that's the recipe you need. The owner who's willing to start uh, handling them more and then the gentle, kind farrier because then the farrier can learn to do better donkey trims over time. Like if they're not quite sure how to trim a donkey foot, I'm not so much worried about that because that's something that can be taught to them. But the hardest part to teach people is how to be softer and gentler sometimes, you know, and to... Yeah, just be gentle and softer. So I, you know, right now I think offering some online training videos and then for both hoof handling and then also just handling the donkey in general. And then honestly, I would like to spend more time with my colleagues either in workshops or maybe an online series too where um, I can help my colleagues understand the donkey hoof better and understand donkeys better because that's what's really going to improve uh, donkeys, uh, you know, welfare is having more of my colleagues feeling really confident with them. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely be interested in something like that. So if you get something going, definitely let me know and I'll, I'll check it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. I would, I would love to do that. Awesome. It's just, you know, it's interesting, like from a business perspective, um, I operate more from like a heart space, uh, less than such a business space, which clearly this is a business and I have to like <laughs> make a living. So it's something that I'm learning to navigate each day. You know, I feel like I'm kind of just a little Padawan out mm -hmm. here in the world, just making my way mm -hmm. as best that I can. Not only um, having the online training courses, but honestly, what I really, really want to do. So if anybody's listening out there is I'd like to have a TV show where I cruised around showing people donkeys, doing hoof care, and then meeting up with my colleagues all over the states or maybe the world, I don't know. And we highlight donkeys and um, help people understand them better. That would really, that's really my big dream. 
I think, I mean, honestly though, I think that, um, I've already learned so much from you, even just following your Facebook page and, and watching some of your videos. It's been really cool to see your work. So thank you for being willing to share that and, and show people that on Facebook. Um, and I only have one, one more question. It's sort of an open-ended question. Um, but do you have any parting words for owners with donkeys or hoof care providers working with them or anything you kind of want to leave them with? Yeah, I think I kind of said it too, but, um, with the donkeys, just don't take yourself so seriously. Uh, don't get mad at them. Just think of them as very independent, very sentient. Their donkeys are also extremely sensitive. That's something I didn't touch on. They are so sensitive. And when you look at them in that light, you can see how things like farrier care or new things happening to them is a lot of stimulus for them to take on. So coming from a place of, of, of loving them and just, being of service to them if if you're if you're a farrier and you're like oh man i don't want to go trim donkeys then don't just don't uh because it's just not going to go good anyways like they're totally going to know if you're not into them and then they're just going to want to blow you off um (laughs) so you know i think if you want to work with donkeys there's got to be a part of you that likes humor and sometimes you might show up and think you're going to trim a donkey and you're going to go home and you're not trimming that donkey today. And that's okay. Oftentimes I go and do meet and greets with new donkeys where I literally come in, feed them treats, pet them, give them kisses, high five their owner and tell them, you got this. Your donkeys are awesome. We're going to, this is, you know, let your worries go we're going to get on a plan and we're going to get their feet fixed up, et cetera, you know? And so having that attitude of, um, of just, uh, not, not having so many expectations and really thinking about it from a, a, a longer point of view. Like there's, there's donkeys that I began working with where it takes me a full year to develop a solid relationship with them to where they fully trust me. You might think that's a really long time, but, not in the lifetime of a donkey who can live to be 40 to 50 years old. That year span is, is a drop in the bucket and every little thing it is built upon I'm building with them and really great owners are ready for that long journey, you know, yeah. or, or the process, you know? Yeah. So, no, yeah. that's great. And, um, Thank you so much for talking with me. You did a really great job. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Have a nice day. You too. Bye. (laughs) Bye. I always say that I'm slightly more hoof obsessed than the average person. And chances are, if you're listening to a hoof care podcast, you are too. So we should probably be friends. Feel free to find me on Facebook or email me at thehumblehoof at gmail.com.